Hello everyone, my name is Dunja and you're watching another episode of Green New Perspectives Launchpad, a webcast series where we talk about sustainability in different industries. The, the topic of today's episode is going to be uh, communications in sustainability sector. And my guest is, is Angela Boschkovic, an environmental communication educator based in Montenegro, Europe, and the founder of EcoCorean LLC. Through one-on-one -on -one consulting and team workshops, she helps small businesses, bigger businesses, and green NGOs to craft communication plans and marketing campaigns without giving away to greenwashing, which is really impo important these days. Angela holds a master's degree in environmental policy and a bachelor's degree in journalism, and she has a really diverse work working experience from copywriting to project manager management and event organization. Today, Angela and I are going to discuss what businesses can do to make sure that they don't miss the point when making sustainability-related claims and embracing eco-friendly messages. So stay tuned and listen to what Angela has to say. Well, hello, Angela. How are you? Hello, Dunya. Thank you for having me. Doing great so far. How are you? Oh, great as well. So um, our subject today, uh, the topic of the, the webcast is uh, communications in, let's say, sustainability sector, if something like that exists at all. But I mean, everyone is doing sustainability claims these days. So let's talk about that. Um, what what are um, eco-communications or environmental communications let's start let's start with that because a lot of people are uh let's say uh confusing environmental communications with basic marketing so <laughs> i think that I there's agree. a huge difference there so let's talk about that yeah i agree there's a whole mismatch of everything right now and it's so difficult to actually clarify anything because different people have different definitions and then you actually need to gather all those definitions and make sense out of it all. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, in short, environmental communication is this beautiful and growing field where we study how different groups of people perceive nature and perceive humans in relation to nature. And based of the, on that, what kind of uh, written audio, video and different types of uh, content do they create? So we are talking, researching what people um, believe to be their place in this beautiful uh, planet, but also uh, to analyze their content and to work in creating mm -hmm. that content. So we are talking uh, environmental journalism, environmental marketing or sustainability marketing, uh, different research positions, uh, creating uh, behavior change related campaigns, etc. So there's so many people, there's different uh, types of expertises uh, in this great area uh, at the moment. So you have people specializing in uh, education on different labels. You have people specializing in ethical marketing uh, relating to sustainability. You have people specializing in science journalism when they cover environmental topics. You have environmental copywriters. So all these different... And then, of course, you have artists. I don't want to mm -hmm. uh, neglect the creative work. So different types of art forms oh, and the area called artivism. So activism through the lens of um, 
the artistry. Uh, for me, my favorite topic at the moment and what I work on the most is the topic of greenwashing and working with small businesses and NGOs on educational uh, campaigns that have to do with uh, environmental protection. Well, um, I think that's a good place to start uh, this topic. So let's talk about greenwashing. Um, why is it related to corporate marketing these days? And what you said, like you're working with small businesses and NGOs, but maybe we can use this space to um, tell the bigger ones what they need to do when they're communicating their messages um, related to sustainability or environmentalism. Sure thing, I would love that because actually the biggest uh, organization, so uh, the big names in business, the big name in politics as well, mm -hmm. because greenwashing knows no industries. So they are the ones that we, whose content we see the most and whose content we see most often. And they are the ones actually showing us, aha, uh -huh, this is what sustainability marketing should look like. And we have really big problems if what they are doing is not a good example to follow. Mm -hmm. So, and that's where greenwashing comes in. Essentially, it is the phenomenon where uh, someone's way of presenting themselves to their uh, contractors, to their clients, to their audience does not match uh, their act the actual way in which they do business. So the wording that they use, the adjectives that they use, the vocabulary of sustainability is there, but the actions uh, behind the scenes, the way in which they do business, the way in which they uh, gather supplies, the way in which they pay their employees and subcontractors so that does not actually match the eco claims they have appropriated uh, what most definitions will say uh, is and what i used to also believe in is that it is a purposeful activity meaning we have the um, the idea and the wish to actually deceive the public we do want to mm -hmm. be presenting ourselves as more sustainable than we actually are but lately in the uh, past, let's say a year or so, I have noticed working with uh, especially smaller businesses where there is a solopreneur or three people doing all kinds of different roles, that the intention does not necessarily have to be there, but uh, the impact is there. So you may actually be having a very narrow definition of what it means to be a sustainable business. Maybe you think, if I donate a hundred euros to a certain business, that's enough mm -hmm. or to a certain NGO, or if I donate for reforestation, if I donate for a cleanup activity, that's enough. And I'm in a surplus and I don't have to change anything. So the intent does not have to be to deceive someone, but we're looking at the impact. We're looking at whether on the other side, someone actually thinks you're more sustainable than you are. Mm -hmm. And, that's why I said at the beginning that it's so important to mind our words and to make sure that we are not deceiving people and presenting ourselves as uh, more environmentally responsible and more gentle to the planet than we actually are. Um, Eco-claims are usually not regulated at all. So um, companies or individuals or small businesses uh, could are not held accountable for, for greenwashing actually. Um, and um, I, I, um, it's interesting what you said. Like they're they're doing, they're mostly doing this. That's like popular in America. They're mostly doing those carbon offsetting services, like you've mentioned, like a additional um, um, 
activity and then just promoting them as sustainable but not doing anything else to reduce their carbon emissions or to or anything else pay the to pay their um workers more or well do some other environmentally um good services so um what would you like to say what you what well, what would you have to say um about those uh, eco claims not being regulated and do do you think there's something is going to change are they going to be regulated in the future or are they are they getting regulated at the moment somewhere in this world because we have a lot of greenwashing going on around there it's true it's true as we said like at the very opening at the moment it is so messy and so difficult to orient yourself and to navigate through all these claims uh, when it comes to marketing your products marketing your services uh, uh, sorry it's... sorry i just have to interrupt you with something like do you know some um statistics about what the customers what the people the consumers think about that do they believe the greenwashing or do they see through it are they becoming um like more suspicious when they see some green claims because it's not a new practice. Greenwashing is here for like 30 years or more. For more, actually, we have witnesses uh, of uh, the mismatch between what's being said and what was being done uh, in the 60s and 70s of the past century. So it's nothing new. It's just that we uh, found ways to put it into words and to create some kind of uh, listing of different types of greenwashing uh, in the more recent years. And mm -hmm. we are becoming more aware that um, before people used to think, well, better something than nothing. Now we're becoming more aware of the fact that not every something is equal. So not every type of activity is necess necessarily the best and the most appropriate activity for uh, the certain uh, situation and the context uh, now uh, let's go in order uh, yes there are some uh, some types there were some opinion polls being done on whether people want to um, purchase something that is more eco-friendly based on what the label says and the answer was predominantly yes however i believe around 70 percent or maybe more i i forgot the exact percentage of people uh, at the same uh research during the same research said that uh, they do not think that they have the necessary skills to recognize whether something uh -huh. is greenwashing or not. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So we have this huge gap, gap that needs to be filled by education institutions at every level, gap that needs to be filled by um, customer protection organizations that they need to do education for customers to actually be able to recognize what a, a certain label means because you said a lot uh, about uh, labels. It's true. Uh, there are a few problems there. Uh, I'll mention a few of them. Uh, number one, it's heavily unregulated, meaning uh, you can put anything in the on the label that's not quantifiable. And if it's not quantifiable, there's no way for me to actually check whether it's true or not. For example, you see... Uh, juices uh, juice companies saying 100% happy to see you so 
for example, it's a natural juice, but you cannot put that it's 100% natural because if you look at the ingredients list, that's not true. But you can put that the juice is 100% happy to see me. Um, so because we know from behavior sciences that people like percentages, you like to see 100%, it looks more trustworthy. Or you look um, and you uh, like to see zero you like to see certain, you know, absolute numbers, uh, some, the, whether everything or nothing, so 100% or none of it. So you see 100% uh, organic extract of a certain plant, but then you look at the ingredients and you see that that plant is a minor ingredient among all the rest. So it's not a 100% organic product, but just that one or, or ingredient is uh, 100% organic, or you see uh, 0% reason to worry, or 100% supported by our employees. So all those claims for me as a consumer mean nothing when it comes to whether the product is actually safe to use and whether the, pr the product is actually sustainably made. They tell me absolutely nothing about the way in which you treat your ingredients, way in which you treat your employees, way in which you treat your suppliers. So I know none of it, but still there, there are those claims. Then a big problem for which I am a witness of because my company is called EcoCorean. So there's that eco pre uh, prefix in the name. When I was registering my company, no one asked me uh, to uh, provide additional papers because I was going to put eco, eco in the name, which means that you can create all kinds of products for which you don't even intend to uh, apply for certain certifications or use best practice examples um, in the field, but you can put something natural, organic, well, not organic. For organic, you need to have certain standards, but like um, uh, handmade or something like that. So an adjective that uh, tells us that there's some more care put into the products than if mm -hmm. that was just a random name and you put it in the name of the brand, in the name of the company, conscious is also a popular adjective right now. So you put it there and then suddenly the whole product line has more weight in the eyes of the community. Then we have the branding issues of coloring uh, where we see a green a packaging and we automatically think it's more sustainable. Where in fact, uh, I always say to my clients, like, please let's diversify at this point. Like let's use white, let's use blue because the sooner we uh, tell to the wider audiences that sustainable products can be found in various shapes and colors and that it's not green that they should uh, by default use as their point of reference for the best and most sustainable product there is. Um, so the sooner we do it, the easier I hope it will be for people to actually get used to actually not being, uh, not ending with, aha, uh -huh, this is green, I'm done. But looking at the label, looking at the ingredients list. So it's a, it's a very long process ahead of us, I believe. I believe that we are not even close to, um, to regulating the industry uh, in the next, let's say, three to five years. The EU is doing the most when it comes to like international regulations in that field. Uh, and as for, let's say, national examples, I would um, 
use the UK as a good example because last year they have adopted an act that is directly related to greenwashing and through which you finally have some kind of um, listing or huh, here's what I need to look for if the product uh, to, to check if this uh, brand is, is making greenwashing claims or not. Uh, unfortunately, just like with um, uh, ESG standards, just like with many other things, um, at the moment, different areas of the world, different businesses, different organizations have their own views on whether something is uh, greenwashing or not. Mm -hmm. For me, it is not a matter of whether of a subjective thing. I think there is a list um, and I would love to talk about it more in, in detail in some future episode. Um, or another opportunity, um, because the number one thing for me would be whether you are actively trying as a business, no matter what you offer, to treat with uh, most kindness and the least harm possible, everything and everyone involved. That's number one. Uh, then number two, whether you are actively trying to dissociate your work from exploitation of fossil fuel industry, and then uh, number of, of, from exploitation of fossil fuels, pardon. And then three, whether you are actively trying not to be uh, tied to mass production. So is there an upper limit on what you do? Are you striving towards scalability? Scalability is the big word like right now. Everyone wants to scale their business and to grow as much as possible in the least amount of time possible. But that's not sustainable on a planet and in a system that has a limited number of resources. So do you have an actual plan to uh, put the cap on how many products there are going to be in the line or they are going to be produced as long as there is the need for them? So do you have a cap in mind for the a number of employees? So how big is your business going to grow? So all of these things, this types of megalomania, are you actively trying to remove them from your business? Um, it's somehow natural to talk about ESG, as you mentioned it. Um, ESG stands for environmental, social and governance. And um, it's, let's say, a standard that corporation and big businesses need to achieve in order to be more sustainable because, well, corporations are amongst um, highest polluters. Um, as science.org says, but um, even though it's not easy being green, um, when we look at the ESG claims of different companies, it would seem like they're doing such a great job <laughs> and that sustainability is something so easily achievable. Um, and um, only, let's say, uh, maybe a year uh, ago, regulatory agencies in the U.S. and abroad are cracking down on companies that use ESG as a marketing ploy to exploit, to exploit the customers or investor, is investors, because a lot of money is investing in the ESG to make companies sustainable, right? To motivate them to be sustainable. So what do you have to say? To companies who are doing that, like intentionally or not intentionally, because of the, uh, because we have so much green marketing, uh, greenwashing marketing that I I honestly believe that a lot of people in companies who are doing marketing are not knowing what what 
you know their intentions might not be bad but they don't know what they're supposed to do because um all of the other companies are doing the same sort of thing no one is thinking through the messages that they are sending so in the end they become greenwashing either they even they they wanted it or not so um what would the, what would be your advice for for um for the ESG claims ESG goals you said it all very well so we come back to that intention versus impact so even when the intention is there the impact might be <clears throat> sorry um the impact might be that it's in the end more of a greenwashing claim than it is actually related to um someone actively trying to make a difference for when it comes to advice um i would start with transparency so we we kind of got used to the fact that when you're doing business you're putting your best foot forward through your marketing mm -hmm. through your branding but uh lately the practices have been changing so we are becoming aware of the fact that it's not enough to do um just an occasional donation uh, or to give your uh, employees seed packages so that they, they can plant their pencils back at home or something like that but uh, we are becoming aware that we are not starting from zero and then you do that donation activity and suddenly you're in some kind of imaginary environmental surplus no we're <laughs> st starting from a large minus and we have earth overshoot day as a witness of that so if we become aware from the fact, okay, my starting point is the minus, depending on my industry, depending on the size of my company, depending on my country, um, that minus is further or less far away from the zero. Let's start with how do I, what do I do in my business? <clears throat> Sorry, what kind of circular practices do I adapt uh, adopt in a, that have to do with my resources? What kind of uh, policies do I adopt in relation to my employees and to the management structure of the business, etc., so that I'm closer to that zero? So let's start with that. But at the same time, how do I, through my copy, um, make sure that the public is aware of the fact that we know we're starting from zero. We're not pretending we're in a surplus. And that's the big one. What we are seeing right now is people pretending to be in this kind of a surplus. Everything's fine. Let's just switch to sustainable consumerism thing that is not even possible. When you say it, it's not even possible as a phenomenon because consumerism implies that uh, the, the number one thing is the continual uh, shopping, the continual consumption. And there is no sustainable world where that uh, activity is the primary uh, fuel for the industry and the primary um, fuel for a good life. So there's none of that. And that's why we need transparency. So I would really love to see, usually small businesses are better at this, uh, but it's easier for them, I'm aware. Um, let me see where you are. So data is a big one here. For example, I see uh, whenever I go to the drugstore or to uh, any type of a store really at this point, or a, or a website where there's products being offered, um, we will be, uh, let's say, carbon neutral or zero waste by 2050. Okay, where are you now? Mm -hmm. Are you at 1%? Are you at 30%? Quantify the journey that you have to take and let me know where you are 
right now. So because you saying that you will be zero waste by 2050 could be like me saying I'm going to run a marathon in 10 years. But if you don't know whether I'm doing anything to run at least one kilometer right now, that claim means nothing. So let me know about your journey. What are you doing? What are you yet to do? <clears throat> Sorry. What do you need for those things that are not being done? Do you need expertise? Do you need additional finan uh, financial resources? Do you lack subcontractors that can fill certain gaps? Because I've heard of that as well. So for example, you're looking for the for a certain product that has certain credentials so that you can incorporate it into your product line. However, there's no subcontractor that can fill uh, the quantity that you need and provide the amount that you need. So you turn to someone who can, but who doesn't have the credentials. So does that mean uh, that you need to change your business model? In most cases for large corporations and for larger businesses, the answer is yes. So as soon as your model becomes tied to slowing down and to putting the upper limit on something, that means that the business model needs to do, it needs to be revised. It needs some kind of a recycling or upcycling um, mm -hmm. itself. So number one would be transparency. Uh, number two would be continual education. Uh, I'm aware that for uh, some people, um, there are, positions that they hold in their businesses that they do not necessarily have um, formal education for or any type of education, but they just, you know, were thrown into the mix and they were just, they had to swim. So because I, my, my, my idea is always that people start with the best intentions. So because I believe that people in most cases have the best intentions, let's back those intentions up with some courses, educations, trainings related to recognizing greenwashing, like recognizing empty words and uh, how to recognize those words and switch uh, them for something that's quantifiable or for something that actually holds weight or for something that actually tells me something about your product or service so that it's not empty, so that it's not vague and so that it doesn't uh, portray to the public that the only way to... Um, achieve sustainability is through purchasing your product. Um, so that's a big one. The additional big one is ethical marketing. And there's so many people online at the moment doing wonderful things about that. But uh, if you're using shaming techniques and using megalomania in your approach to marketing and sales, that's also going to reflect poorly on your business and on, and on its sustainability because you can be mindful about the resources but if people feel like crap after they've seen your uh, sales pitch um, then you still have a problem you still have a sustainability related problem because for me I always go back to that definition that sustainability has three branches ecological and uh, ethical and social. So for all three of them to be filled out properly, you need to be mindful both of the resources and of the people from both sides of, of your uh, business and, and professional routine, so to say. Uh, now, I, I would like to conclude this part with <sighs> some words to be mindful of. Um, let's say, uh, be mindful of megalomania. So is your product going to save the planet or is it just uh, going to be uh, a 
more kind uh, choice than the, what we can find on the majority of the market. Then is your product the best? Is your product the most sustainable? Is your product... So be mindful of those superlatives and actually come back to them and see, am I uh, actually able to back those claims with what's happening uh, in the real world? Uh, then be mindful of um, the packaging. So do you put some kinds of birds and pandas and uh, different types of animals that we um, associate with eco-friendly products on products where there are none? The, then if you are, let's say, um, looking for a um, sponsor, a donor, an investor, be mindful of where that money is coming from because you can have the best idea in the world, but that can be financed with fossil fuel money or war money. So there can, uh, there can be, <clears throat> sorry, uh, very huge issues with that. I see that, for example, in the events industry where you see um, sustainability, sustainable themed event, but then you see who the main the sponsor is and there's a huge gap. And suddenly the whole event loses credibility even in the case when the speakers are amazing because it's being financed by people who um, we associate with pollution, whether it's plastic pollution, water um, pollution, etc. And we're so seeing a lot of that, yeah. We're seeing yeah. huge amounts of that, exactly, yes. So being mindful and uh, kind of dissecting your whole business into these small chunks and you're constantly asking yourself, is this the kindest way? Is it the kindest choice? And uh, holistically approaching that idea of kindness, holistically towards both the people and the planet. So we can talk like more about it all, but overall it all comes down to like, okay, am I being insanely megalomaniac in this world because I'm saying all the businesses are doing it and I'm assuming, oh, this is the only way to go or I'm actually trying to build something long-term here. Um, what would you say are the benefits of this kind of transparent eco-communications for those who maybe don't see them? You know, maybe mm -hmm. someone actually treats this subject as a trend. So they're just, you know, hopping on the trend because that's something that's hot at the moment. But um, what would be like the real benefits so that someone who wants to um, advertise their, their business as eco-friendly or are actually doing some really good things or maybe not, but they want to highlight some part of, of what they do uh, as sustainable um, what are the real benefits? Because, okay, some people do have good intentions, but some of them don't. So they want to see the benefits beyond, um, you know, uh, let's say that most of the brands who are being criticized for greenwashing are using that kind of terminology for um, for pumping up the, the um, sales. Exactly. So what would be the benefit of, of for their businesses if they want to um, communicate with, the, with their um, customers or, or uh, what, I don't know. Uh, stakeholders. Yeah, say. stakeholders, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, what would be the benefit for them? Uh, because the way um, that most of most of people are, to are talking about sustainability communications is looks like that their sales are going to fall, you know, mm. to fall down. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, they they don't look like it's going to pay off. Well, uh, let me start. I have two main points here. Point number one, um, by uh, being more transparent and ethical in your communications and uh, actually trying to portray what's happening on the field to your customers, to your stakeholders, as realistically as possible, you are, uh, and of course, doing the, the work. So behind the scenes, actually trying to improve your business practices, you are helping, I wouldn't say make sure because no one can be certain of it, but you are helping improve the chances of there being a market for you in 10 or 20 years. Because the reports, the sustainability reports, the IPCC report, all kinds of different reports are showing that what we are experiencing right now and what we are just going to see more frequently and of larger impact, which are two very important um, data points here. So what we're seeing are natural disasters happening more often, uh, happening uh, in less... um, With the less pause between them, exactly. And uh, the intervals are more frequent. The impact is greater. Their their, um, strength is larger. So what that means is that they can multiply the impact of each other. So, for example, if at the same time you have a flood here and then you have a pandemic there and then there's a forest fire somewhere, uh, there's a limited capacity for people. And uh, if at the same time, let's say the power is out, you have a huge problem. You have a very big problem. And that is going to influence the well-being of people. That's number one for me. At the same time, if you're looking for uh, like specifically the business side, that's also going to influence the buying power. Because in a world where I'm faced, with, I'm from the Mediterranean, so uh, we are all very aware of the predictions for the this part of the, the globe. So if that's actually going to be happening, I'm going to be very mindful about my money because the inflation rate at the moment is kind of crazy. And unfortunately, it is um, usually the people who are least responsible for the crisis that they pay for them first. Um, with their lives, with their homes, we're going to be seeing more migrations, etc. So there's all these factors that are going to contribute to the destabilization of the market. And in that market, what you can do to help, especially if you're a big business, is actually make sure to lower your impact, to lower your impact through um, adopting sustainable practices. Are the sales going to fall? For certain businesses, I surely hope so. I know it, I, I firstly seem like an advocate right now than like a business owner, but I am completely aware that some businesses are like dogs without a leash at the moment because they are behaving as if the world has no end and if the resources run out here, eh, we'll just go to a different planet. That's that don't look up model, right? But we know how it ended there and the way in which it ended there can be translated into the real world really quickly if people don't adopt um, the business practices that are needed and then actually um, back them up with adequate communication. Because for me, sustainability communication is also uh, there. Even if you are saying, you know what, we're not doing what we can right now. Our business has just started. 
I am completely aware that there's a trend and the need for the most sustainable choices right now. I am uh, in an economic position where I cannot do that right now. So what I can offer to you are handmade products. But my resources are ordered from China, from a wholesale uh, website, and I have no clue how they are being made. I have no clue if someone is exploited on the other side. So even if that is your copy, to me, that is appropriate sustainability communication for your brand. So let's be truthful. Let's be mindful uh, and work towards actually being there on the market in 10 years, having a market in 10, 20, 50 years. Well, thank you, Angela. I think that this was be this was a really good com uh, conversation. I am honestly like hoping that the people who are listening to us are going to, you know, um, employ a, a lot of things that you were telling about. Um, thank you again. And uh, all of you people, thank you for watching or listening to us. Uh, if you like our content, hit that subscribe button and uh, tell us your feedback in the comments below. We really want to hear it. And um, see you next time in two weeks. Bye. Thank you, Dunya. Take care. Bye. Bye.